Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of the My Type of Type 1 podcast. I'm your host, Stone, and this week we are going to be talking about the change that I made from taking multiple daily injections to help with my insulin to using an insulin pump. It's a journey that happened a while ago, but you know what? I'm glad that I made the decision to change when I did. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So having had diabetes for so long, I feel like sometimes when I have to explain something, it's difficult because for the most part, it's something that I've been doing my entire life. So, with that being said, I wanted to talk about MDI, which stands for Multiple Daily Injections, and how I started with MDI and moved to getting an insulin pump. So, Multiple Daily Injections. This goes back to the days of regular and NPH insulin. So NPH is an acronym for Neutroprotamine Hagedorn, which is an isophane insulin. And if I'm not mistaken, this is like a long-lasting insulin. So... NPH can be compared to like Lantus or Traceba. Those are the insulins that you take that usually last for like 24 hours. NPH, I'm pretty sure it might have been a 12-hour one because I remember taking it in the morning and I remember taking it at night. I don't ever remember taking it for lunch. Yeah, I don't ever remember taking it for lunch. But definitely in the morning and then in the evening. And then you're regular insulin. I'm going to try to look that one up as well. Regular to me, yeah, that's your fast-acting insulin. So that can be compared to like your Humalog or your Novalog or like your Fiasp. I think that's a new one. Um, Usually within like 20 to 30 minutes, it starts working in your body and it's probably out of your system between like three to five hours probably depends on who you ask but starting off with multiple daily injections so obviously it's in the name i would have to inject myself with this insulin multiple times a day they were in vials both the regular and the nph and so like i can still hear the vials clinking on my mom's wedding ring because before you administer the nph it had to be mixed you can't really like shake it up um because then you'd get like bubbles and stuff which you don't want bubbles so back when i was younger i would just remember getting those three shots a day once in the morning with breakfast once in the afternoon for lunch and then once at night for dinner now around maybe about 2004 or so i remember switching from whatever it was that they decided to give me my medicine and dose it out um they switched me to carb counting so basically depending on how many carbs my meal had that would determine how many units of insulin i would get 
So, for instance, I think starting off, it was one unit of insulin per every 10 carbs. So, if I had a meal that had 55 carbs, I would have to take five and a half units. Um, most insulin pens didn't have half units, so you'd either have to do five or you'd have to do six. But I remember they gave me an insulin pen and it was like a junior pen or something they called it, but that one had half units. So it kind of made things a little bit easier. And so I no longer had to drop the insulin in needles because it would come in a pre-filled cartridge that was in what's known as an insulin pen. That cartridge would hold about 300 units of insulin, I believe. So I just have to dial up the number that I was using and administer. But again, this is something that's all new to me and my parents. So you're talking going from about two or three to now, uh, how old was I, like 12, 13. So you're talking about for 10 years, we were already used to something. And so I remember talking with the endocrinologist and they said that was one choice that I could do. Or another choice is I can get an insulin pump. Never heard of an insulin pump before. So she described it to me and basically said it was a device that's probably like the size of a beeper and it would have like a very tiny, not metal needle, but like a uh, plastic needle that would sit just under my skin, you know, um, on my stomach area. And that would stay, you know, on my body. And then there'd be a tube, um, probably about three, four feet long and that would connect to the pump and there'd be a cartridge in the pump that has insulin in it and then you just dial up how much insulin you would need to take and it would deliver the insulin just like that so i didn't have to stick myself with a needle every time i had to eat i would just have to um dial up the insulin and i just have to change the spot that the port was in like every couple days and i thought about it I thought about having tubes and wires hanging off my body and, you know, as a 12-year-old kid, the only thing that's going through your mind is just someone just walking by you and just yanking it off your body while you're at school. I don't know why I thought these things, but, you know, I I felt like that I was bullied enough at school. Um, I wasn't very popular. I'm still not that popular, but... You know, I wasn't like the popular kid in school, so any bullying that could have happened or did happen, I feel like it would increase with these tubes and wires just coming out of my body into this device. Like, no, I I was not going to do that. So I passed. I was like, nope, I do not want the pump. Thank you for telling me about it. I'm going to stick with these insulin pens. And so periodically through the years, um... Either when I switched endocrinologist and I got a new endocrinologist, which endocrinologist is the specialist, the doctor that specializes in your endocrine system, which has to do with your thyroid and your pancreas and all the other stuff. So surprise, my pancreas doesn't work. I have to see an endocrinologist. Um, so whether I got a new endocrinologist or I was with the same one, then, you know, it had been a couple years. Every now and then they would ask me if I wanted to switch to the pump. They tell me all the new, you know, things that happened with the pump and it's smaller. And I'm like, are there still wires? And they're like, yeah, but instead of being five feet long, it's three feet long. And I'm like, no, that's still too much wire. So 
I would, you know, always turn them down. I was like, nope, I'm good. You know, I'll keep going with my insulin pens and just inject myself every single time that I have to eat something. So fast forward a lot to probably about 25, 26. And I mean, my A1C or my HbA1c, which is the uh, a test that they do on your bloods about every three or four months just to see overall how well you're doing, which I know a lot of people have a lot of problems with that being how well you're doing, but um, they do a test, an overall test to see how well you've been doing with your blood sugars. So it's measuring the glycated form of hemoglobin to contain the three months average of blood sugar. Basically, it's a test to chemically see how much sugar has been in your blood over the past three or four months. And from that, they usually can tell you, well, they say they can tell you how well you're doing because they can average and say, oh, well, your sugars have been, you know, an average of this and we need it to be either higher or lower. So higher on the scale that your A1C is, quote unquote, the worst you kind of are. And so like here in the US, um, they range it between like you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, up to like, I think maybe 14 or 15. I've heard that be part of the measurement. Um, and so for someone who's like non-diabetic, just your regular normal old person, I think theirs is usually between like two and four. Once you start encroaching on like the five, it's like, oh, that's where that term pre-diabetic comes from. And then once you're in like the sixes and sevens, it's like, yep, you're diabetic and we need to work on this. So higher than that, it's kind of bad spot up to like maybe like 10, 11. And then once you get to like 11 and up. So, you know, um, just through the years, um, I was usually in the higher part of those numbers, mostly tens, some nines. Um, I don't think I've ever remember getting a 12. I remember an 11, but anyway, through the years, I finally got down to like eight, which was like, or like 8.4 or something. And to me, that was like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. Cause I've never seen anything under nine, like my entire childhood. So I'm finally getting like my A1C lower. And, um, like I said, I was like in the mid eights. And so I had, <laughs> I had a doctor an endocrinologist and he's going to be the topic of another podcast. However, he had an APRN. And I've had two APRNs that I've dealt with as far as with my diabetes, and both of them were phenomenal. This one, the second one that I had, the most recent, was amazing. Oh, actually, I've had three, and I think the one I have now is technically an APRN, and she's awesome. So the second one that I had, very, very good, very, very good, very knowledgeable. Um, And so she was like, you know, you're doing so well, your A1C's dropping, have you considered the pump? And I was like, no, not really. You know, I'm, I'm good with what I'm doing. It's obviously working, you know, anyone sees going down, woohoo, go me. And she was just kind of like, okay. She's like, well, there's a lot of new technology coming out with the pump. And I really think this is going to help lower your A1C even more and give you better control. And so she told me about a new update that was coming out that would um, sync the insulin pump with CGM data. And CGM standing for continuous glucose monitoring. 
And so I haven't really heard about a CGM um, around this time, but whatever it was, it piqued my interest. And so she had to give me some info to look at. And I was like, you know what? Why not? I'll, I'll take a look. And so I read the information about the pump and it was talking about how it would have the integration um, with the sensor. And so it was the tandem t-slim x2 insulin pump that it was um that's the one that she had given me the info on because that's the one that was going to integrate with the dexcom cgm sensor it, it really piqued my interest that you know there's this thing out there number one that can continuously tell you what your blood sugar is that's what the sensor does the cgm but then not only does this thing tell you what your blood sugar is multiple times throughout the day, it also tells your pump this information. And so most times when you take your insulin, you also want to know what your blood sugar is, because if it's high, you're going to want to correct for that. If it's lower, you might want to take less insulin. And so with the pump having this data, it kind of does all the numbers for you. You can plug in your carb to insulin ratio into the pump. So it literally makes things easy. If your blood sugar is on the higher side, it'll know, okay, you want your sugars to be around 100. If it's 250, you're going to need X amount extra. Oh, look, you just told me you're also eating 86 carbs with a carb ratio of, you know, one to seven for people who don't do math very quickly. Instead of trying to calculate all of that, it does it for you. And boom, it tells you this is how much insulin you should be taking right now. I'm just like, wow, that like piqued my interest even more with the pump because before I would still have to do all those calculations and then input them into the pump manually. Now you're telling me that this thing is just going to automatically do it itself. Heck yeah. So I went for it. Um, and I love it. I love my pump. I really do. It makes things so much easier. Like I said, I have the Tandem T-Slim X2. All my info is programmed into it as far as what my goal sugar is, what my carb to insulin ratio is, even as far as I'm not on two medicines anymore for my diabetes. Because before I was on two, I was on a fast acting and I was on a slow acting. Well, now, because I'm wearing this pump, I don't need a slow acting insulin anymore. I'm just on the fast acting. And so the pump continuously administers insulin to my body 24 seven all the time. I just have to make sure it's charged and it has a rechargeable battery. And so, you know, yes, this thing is attached to my body, but it's not literally 24 seven. Like I can take it off. Like, so very seldom will I take it off. But like, for instance, I don't wear it in the shower. It is waterproof, but I don't wear it when I shower. I take it off and that's usually when I charge it too because like I said it has a rechargeable battery so I usually charge it when I'm in the shower. If I go swimming I can take it off so I'm not wearing it in the pool. I'm not going to go swimming with it so if I ever have to detach from it I usually try not to do it for more than two hours and if I do I try to make sure I, I manually take some insulin so that I don't have to worry about anything to kind of balance it out. I think that honestly it was the integration with the sensor that actually helped push my mind to forget about, you know, any other fears that I had had, you know, like all the extra tubing, like literally the tubing just, it's in my pants. Like you don't see it. Or if you do, you don't see all of it. There's like a small amount that I keep hanging out just because, you know, when I have to pull the pump up to my body to like, you know, type something in, I have the length. But other than that, you don't, you don't really see it. But 
I'm, I'm glad I finally did it. I definitely had that feeling of why didn't I do this sooner kind of thing. But also, I don't think it would have had the same effect on me if I did do it sooner. Because if I did, then I wouldn't have had the sensor integration, you know, with the pump. Maybe it would have worked. Maybe I would have loved it. Maybe I would have hated it. I don't know. But I feel like I made that switch at the right time for me, which I mean, it's great because after doing that within the next four or five months, whenever I had my next appointment after starting on the pump, my A1C dropped a full point. So you're talking, I went from like an 8.4 to a 7.4. Like that has never happened ever since that. It's been dropping maybe about half a point or so every visit and then it stays about the same so like the last time i had it tested i think it was like 6.5 or 6.7 or something which to me that's not bad because you're talking about someone who spent most of their childhood in the nines and the tens and so me being in the sixes that's amazing um the lowest i believe i got down to i remember is a 6.2 and like I said, it it fluctuates, but not much. I want to say within the past five years, I've stayed in the sixes. And it's been between 6.2, 6.5, 6.4, 6.3. But I've stayed in the sixes like that. It's, it, it blows my mind. I, I want tighter control because I want to get to six and maybe a little under. I don't know how attainable it is, but I want to do it. It's possible. I've like never seen these numbers before. And it's amazing. The effects of this have been so much better than I could ever imagine. Sometimes I'm just like, what did I even do before I had the pump? Like sometimes I try to think of, I don't know, something that happened in the past, like a trip we took. And I'm just like, oh wait, I didn't have my pump. Like, what was I doing? Like trying to find somewhere to go take my insulin? Like, it's so weird thinking of things like that now, but like, I'm glad I got over that fear and tried something new. It's like I said, it's been like five years since I've had the pump. And I mean, the sensor as well. I know we're more talking about me going to the pump, but it's been like five years since I got the pump and the sensor at the same time. So it's been five years and it's been great. And I love it. If you want to get a pump, if you're thinking about getting a pump, try it. And I mean, nowadays they even have wireless ones, guys. Like if they would have told me that when I was younger... I might have done it. I don't remember. I don't remember when the wireless ones came out, and I don't remember being told about them. But if I was, I was probably just, I don't know, too set in my ways to change it. But there's wireless ones too now. So if you really are worried about, you know, all the tubing or tubeless ones, whatever you want to call it, they have them without it. But yeah, I'm going to need another episode to actually talk about me getting the pump and using it and having it and all that other stuff. But I will do another episode because I have to tell you about, well, getting my sensor. There's a whole story behind the sensor from when I was like first introduced to it and barely knowing what it was to actually getting it now. And then just a whole other story of me having the pump. So stay tuned for another episode. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Join me again next week for another episode as I go more into my life with type 1 diabetes. Remember that nothing that I say should be taken as medical advice, but simply what has benefited me. 
if you need to make any changes, please remember to always talk to your doctor. Also, please follow or like, subscribe, hit the plus button, whatever it is on your podcast player. And if at all possible, if you could please leave a rating, five star rating and leave me a review, that would be great. You can follow the podcast on Facebook at my type of type one podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at my type of type one. And it's the same on Instagram, my type of type one. Or you could follow me personally on Instagram at stone underscore T1D underscore dad. And you can also check out my website, my type of type one podcast.com. You can listen to the podcast there, check for any updates either there or on either of the Instagram pages. Thank you and see you next week.